If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 314 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Ledley King of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about uh, a big week coming up, actually, in the world of mixed martial arts, we're going to start off with that. We're going to look forward to next weekend and talk about the big pay-per-view card coming up. PFL have a good card coming up. Uh, Bellator actually have a great card coming up as well. And then I will throw it over to Sean Sheehan to look back at the... The, uh, the fights from this weekend and uh, Sean will, will break those down but before that we must tell you it's Father's Day is just coming around the corner and Notting says I love you dad more than a world class trimmer for his balls you heard that right the lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped is the best body hair trimmer on the market Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com Myself, actually I'm after moving all my stuff and I left my Manscaped one upstairs I, I don't have it for today so I don't have my Manscaped <laughs> Graham do you have it in the background there anywhere no, I, we'll, we'll need to pull it on. I'll have to get it out here I'll need the Manscaped to send me a second one for, uh, <laughs> for beside the microphone purposes yeah beside the microphone oh, already. <laughs> yeah, and that, uh, Manscaped is the only the Father's Day one though the Father's Day uh, yeah. one I was just thinking when you were saying that the, mm. the weed whacker you see you see some old men or some middle aged men with uh, some serious fucking nose hair so yeah you know, that weed whacker gets straight in there. It, it absolutely does. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and just launched a performance package, which is a perfect gift for your dad this upcoming Father's Day. Imagine surprising your dad with the ultimate men's hygiene package that says your balls will thank you on the box. Have you ever seen uh, nose wishes you were just talking about, Graham, uh, coming out of your dad's nose? Well, included is the new weed whacker uh, ear and nose hair trimmer, which is waterproof and uses 9,000 RPM motor power, 360 degree rotary dual blade system that was actually very hard to read i did a great job of that i must say uh, look guys 90 or 79 percent of partners admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff why not hook your dad up with the best tools for the job here the bundle includes lawnmower 3.0 because of their skin safe uh, technology this is the best trimmer in the market for your balls butt and body the trimmer comes with the led light and it's waterproof so you can trim in the shower as well this is a perfect trimmer for someone who likes to travel let's not forget their famous liquid formulations crop preserver ball deodorant crop reviver ball toner as well to maximize your ball hygiene routine get the performance package treat by uh, now to receive their two free gifts to Manscaped boxers and shed travel bag. The performance package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer and it's hot off the shelves. Get 20% off and free shipping code SEVERE MMA at Manscaped.com. Get your dad a gift that you know they will use. That's 20% off at Manscaped.com. Use the code SEVERE MMA. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls this year. So show your original home some love with Manscaped. 20% off. 
Severe meh, manscaped.com. Graham. Yeah, you see, I didn't even know you were going to talk about the, the, the nose hairs. And no. It just makes annoying. sense. It just, yeah. it, do you know what? It just makes sense, Graham. It just makes sense. Anyway, uh, let's get into this card coming up uh, next weekend. And looking at it, like, down through it, I think it's one of those cards where, well, we, look, we've been talking a lot about matchmaking and stuff for the last while. And I think cards like this, are, apart from uh, apart from Nate Diaz maybe on this card, uh, I know which you're, you're a big fan of Graham. It's one of those cards I think where <laughs> there you go, you got the opportunity where um, it's really uh, I think a hardcore's delight. There's fights we we really want to see. Like a name uh, for me that I've really stuck with recently has been Jamal Hill. I think this guy is the next champion at light heavyweight, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, fighting. I know a lot of people. I saw him tweeting today about Brad Riddell against Drew Dober. Very, very good fight. Before we even get to the top ones, we, you know, a lot of people around this part of the world, Joanne Calderwood, are big fans of her against Lauren Murphy. Chase Hooper's on this. I know a lot of people like Chase as well. This is one of those cards, I think, where it's... It, it, it's not that they have like filled it to sell pay-per-views, apart from maybe Nathan Diaz and the the two title fights, obviously. But they've also kind of, yeah, I think they've just made it for everyone, to be honest. And I'm not sure how much that is mint or how much it kind of just fell together. But that that is that is what's happening here. This is a very very good card at UFC 263, isn't it, Graham? Yeah, there's definitely some very interesting fights in there. You know, um, the Nate Diaz fight. Nate Diaz is always interesting, even though you know the fight is probably, you know, only going to go one way realistically. But uh, he always brings a bit of a, a bit of a spark to the event, a bit of something extra, something different um, to to events. Obviously, uh, you mentioned Hill as well. Like uh, he's going in there against Paul Craig. I think that's going to be a very very hard night for Paul Craig. You know, he can always pull off a submission um, throughout his throughout his career, but uh, I see this this being a very very hard uh, fight for him. And there's definitely some you know some interesting ones on the undercard as well. But uh, it really is the, the the main card where where the most interesting fights are. Like Figure Figueredo, obviously, uh, you know, since Demetrius Johnson left the division, he's he's kind of. Had a new lease of life and uh, looked fantastic. And obviously, uh, me and you have talked about it in the past. We always enjoy these really high level uh, flyweight fights. The the technique and the technical ability and the speed of it is obviously always entertaining. So yeah, so there's a bit of a mix of, of everything uh, in there. Yeah, I I think you're right. Yeah, and there's like the, the mix of the high level title fights, the mix of the name with Nate Diaz on it, and the mix of the fighters we really want to see. And like, uh, fr- from like uh, a personal point of view, maybe maybe that's not the same for everyone. Uh, but it, for me, it, it personally is with especially with Jamal Hill. But I, I do you know what's very interesting. I want to get to it straight away. The main event because. I was watching. I watched. I went back and watched Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori just before we do this, and I actually might do it on a rewatch because it's an interesting fight. Um, it's one of those fights where you look at it, and it wasn't actually that long ago. Let me pull it up here. How long? How long ago it was? But it it was one of those fights where I think both of them have changed a lot since, but are still very similar fighters. Um, so the fight was in 2018, so just about, you know, just over three years ago. Watching it, though, I think the key from a technical point of view, and, you know, usually when we get to these these big fights and we we look at what might be the X factor in the rematch. You know, we have a big rematch coming up in the next card, obviously, with uh, with Conor McGregor versus, uh, versus Dustin Poirier. And to me, 
and, and you know, we, we didn't know about the leg kicks in the first fight with that. To me, the leg kicks are a big, big X factor here. I think, uh, and, and I'll actually get to a bigger part of it in a second, but I think the leg kick from Adesanya, the way he hit Vittori when he was coming in with him, just stopped all his forward motion. Just really, really hurt that forward motion. The jab as well of uh, Adesanya was so good in that fight to stop Vittori coming forward. Um, so I think if Vittori tries to fight that way, and I think he's actually gotten a lot better at fighting that way. He's gotten a lot more technical. And I think he's brought an extra bit of power to his uh, striking as well. Although he's not this big knockout merchant. But he is a very, very good fighter and improved a lot. I think if Adesanya fights that way against Vittori fighting that way. I think Adesanya is just going to really, really easily win that fight. Now, the second part of that is, right... Uh, he got the takedown at the end of the third round and you know, he said he won the fight and all. he absolutely didn't he got destroyed for the first two rounds in my opinion got a great takedown and uh, and was able to win the fight on top in the third round now Adesanya has improved it's a funny thing right because you look at it and say Adesanya was destroying him for two rounds on the feet and actually got destroyed for one round uh, on the ground now I think it's actually the opposite way around coming into this fight in terms of Adesanya and where he might actually be found out by Vittori I don't, uh, I, I'll tell you now if I do think he will or not uh, in a second but I think Adesanya's takedown defense has improved so much it's not actually a weakness anymore unless it gets late in the fight and unless you can catch him once and manage to get him down I think once he's on the ground he's easier held down but I think his ability to stop takedowns especially in the first few rounds is very very good what I think Adesanya has shown, especially in the Blahovich fight, is and and the Romero fight as well, is if you don't come on to him, if you don't push forward against Adesanya, he actually isn't as great a fighter as uh, he is when you do come on to him. I'm not saying he's not a great fighter, but he you can make him look a great fighter if you fight the way Vittori usually wants to fight, which is coming forward, and that's counterintuitive because. When you fight someone like Adesanya, who's big and long and jabs well and kicks well from the outside, you usually want to say, you know, all the way in or all the way out. I think against Adesanya, it is all the way out. I think the best way to be is all the way out and give him absolutely nothing. Now, that might make for a boring fight. Woodley versus Wonderboy. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 what it does, even, even you know, the, I, I mentioned two fights, the Romero fight and the Blahovic fight. I think Blahovic being kind of bigger as well uh, really helped. Although, watching back that fight, there isn't that much of a size difference between Vittori and, and Adesanya, a bit surprisingly. And watching back that fight, do you, who do you think won it? Oh, definitely Adesanya. It, was, it, was, a, it yeah. was very easy, two rounds to one win. But I really think Vittori, if he fights smart, if he takes a lot of things from that uh, Blahovic fight. Now, I don't think he's as good as a fighter or a kickboxer as Blahovic from the outside. But if he does um, a similar sort of waiting job, even more than Blahovic, tries to get the takedowns when they do give themselves up and maybe be happy to give away the first couple of rounds wait till Adesanya comes forward a little bit and then use that to kind of get those takedowns or get some shots inside I think that would be the best way for Vittori honestly I think Adesanya now like if you go in and you fight Adesanya and you say right I'm going to have a striker match with him I'm going to go forward I'm going to put the pace in him you're almost certainly going to lose I think you need a technical tactical match against Adesanya and it's a funny thing to say it's because he's so technical and tactical Tactical. Uh, but if you out technique or, or out tactic him, unorthodox, kind of like Yan did, or mm-hmm. not that he's like went in with that plan. He just kind of naturally is unorthodox on the feet, and obviously he had a you know Adesanya usually has the length advantage, and he didn't. But uh, yeah, I agree with you here. I think 
I think Adesanya is going to take this. I think there will be some, like, you know, most of the rounds, if not all of the rounds, will be close. But I can see him just, you know, uh, using his superior striking and movement and jab and leg kicks, as you said, uh, as he used in the, fr- in the first fight to kind of, you know, uh, cruise without risking too much and without kind of uh, exposing himself too much to the takedowns that I'm sure Vittori will be, will be you know, game planning for. Yeah, like I, I think, I, you know, I've said it, I think Vittori, or I think there is a way to beat Adesanya. I'm not saying like he's full Anthony Pettis now and there's a blueprint and everything, go in and just do it easily. It's very tough to do it. And I actually don't think that Marvin Vittori has the skill set to do it, but there is a way to do it. And I, I'm my, my biggest um, my biggest question coming into this fight is not who, who's going to win it. I think Adesanya will win it. But I think my question is, will Vittori try it? and get into a fight with Adesanya, which is more technical, or will he get into, like, a brawl again, which is, you know, if most people look at this fight, and I guarantee you, you're listening to other podcasts this week, most people will tell you, Marvin Fittori, get inside, you know, get inside the big man, land inside, all the way in, all the way out, but I really, I truly, maybe I'm wrong, maybe people disagree with me, I truly don't believe that's the way to beat Israel Adesanya. Look, he might come in and get all the way in and land a big overhand left, and knock him out, and, you know, fair enough, but I, I think that is a l- more low percentage way of beating Adesanya, I think you beat him the way he's been shown to be beaten, um, and I think it's very interesting, like, I think Adesanya, what he does very well against someone like Vittori, and what he does very well against Southpaw, is change stances, and I said that inside leg kick as well, just, uh, just takes Vittori off his feet so much, it's really, really good, and um, I, I'm very interested to see, because it's, you know, we talk a lot, Graham, about guys like uh, Israel Adesanya, or um, Francis Ngannou when he lost that first time, or even McGregor after he lost uh, to Nate Diaz, how they bounce back, you know, these invincible kind of guys who think, you know, we think they're on the way to superstardom, they're on the way to win every title, they're on the way to the, the light heavyweight title for Adesanya, or the heavyweight title for Ngannou, yeah. or all titles for McGregor, but it's interesting <laughs> to see how he bounces back, isn't it? It's definitely different mentally, and it's a loss of momentum, but I think it's a little different than, you know, the Ngannou situation or, you know, I think uh, Adesanya can look back at that fight and think he won it. Um, you know, he it's hard to know if he's, you know, going in there and thinking, ah, I won that fight, or if he's thinking, oh, well, maybe I didn't. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, not ideal for the, the mental state and the momentum and confidence and all that stuff, but uh, I don't really see it being a factor here. Like, you know, if he'd have been knocked out badly or you know beaten badly over five rounds or something like that then i think maybe it would be more of a factor yeah yeah 100 and look it's, a, it's an interesting fight and it's, it's interesting that the two title fights are uh are both rematches here davidson figueredo against brandon moreno so look <laughs> looking uh, uh looking at him i feel like I feel like the Vittori Adesanya fight will look the same, but there is a prospect that it looks very, very different if Vittori changes his ways and fights, uh, you know, the, the way against Adesanya. But but even if um, it does look the same, do you think Vittori would be too unhappy with that with two extra rounds? Uh, yeah, maybe. But, like, that is the thing. I think that is the thing now. If you look at Adesanya... Like, Kelvin Gaslam managed to do it to him as well, to kind of take him late, and, okay, like, it's not that Adesanya gets tired, I think it's one of these, uh, or, you know, gases totally, I think he's one of these guys that kind of gases, gets a second wind, and comes again, but there is a bit, like, I think McGregor is a bit like that as well, there definitely is a question there, you know, there definitely is a question there, and maybe it's not, not even a gassing issue, it's just like a... 
a kind of a predict a predictable unpredictable <laughs> if you know what I mean like he's the way he changes stances and, and throws those fans constantly it's like right if you're going to keep doing that and keep you know fainting the way you do faint at some stage he's just gonna like catch one of them and make make you make it pay like you know so i yeah i don't know i don't know i think it's interesting but i think with figueredo versus moreno i think that's very unlikely to look different to be honest i think figueredo might win more decisively this time but i think they, that's a fight where both guys are just gonna come out and go hell for leather i think brandon moreno showed in the first fight that he can go hell for leather with Figueredo, and I know we, you know, we can talk about the short notice and everything like that uh, for Figueredo in the first fight. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Is like this isn't this is I think is the one where I'd fly with. Look, these guys have it all. You know, they're good on the ground. They're good jujitsu. They have good striking. They're fast. They can both hit hard. Figueredo, probably the hardest hitter in the history of that flyweight division in the UFC. Uh, and I think that's probably the X factor in this. And he's obviously really, really good submissions as well. Moreno probably doesn't hit as hard, but he's very, very good on the ground as well and all around. I think this, like the analysis of this fight is probably madness. You know, that's the only word you need, <laughs> you, you need for it. This is fucking, uh, th- that song, you know, welcome to the if, house of fun. Yeah. Should we just if, if Moreno <laughs> gets his way, but you could also, I could also see uh, Figueroa coming in there and taking him out early. You know, um, it's it, we can like you know obviously the for the first fight wasn't his best performance and maybe there was reasons for that or whatever but uh, you know I'm sure he'll be look coming in looking to to prove a point like he obviously probably you know most people think he won that that first fight uh, either way um, without with uh, with short notice or not so I think he'll want to put a kind of stamp on it and I could see him kind of going for it early. Uh, maybe putting putting Moreno away in the first round. Yeah, he's been like he has been known to do that. In fairness, on my, on my tricky, uh, creaky chair here. Sorry. Uh, he has been known to do that. In fairness, like I, I think the thing with Figueroa is I I wonder in that first fight how um, confident he was in all in all areas in terms of his cardio more than anything else because like he's known in the past for for missing weight. When you know, I remember you said it the second that fight was made at the time. This guy has to make it. What, what was it? I think he took what was it two UFC pay per views in a row he fought on. So it was like three, three and a half weeks notice, or whatever it was, um, for the second fight against Moreno and or for the, the his second fight in a row, which was against Moreno, and that was a big issue. Now it's it's been a while since obviously that fight and, and this uh, and up coming up to this rematch, so he'll have plenty of time for preparing. So I think he will. I agree with you. I think he'll come out faster in the first round. Although, how much more fast can, can you come out in a, in a flyweight uh, champion in a flyweight fire? But, um, yeah, I think... I don't think this will be going to a decision, to be honest. I know I said that the first time, but I think there was reasons around it why it didn't. Uh, I think Figueredo... I think I think Moreno will come in and try to make a fight out of it, and I think it'll kind of play into Figueredo's hands a little bit, even more than Vittori against Adesanya. I think he'll throw those little uppercuts again inside. Um... He's just, like, what Figueredo is really great at, and I'll, I'll definitely do a, him on the rewatch as well this week, uh, even though a lot of his fights have, have finished early, but what he's really great at is kind of finding ways to hurt you and and and, uh, and finish fights, but also just put, like, a beating on lads a lot of the time. Like, we always talk about, I always talk Perry Ann when I'm doing the, the rewatches on him, and the way from the break he kind of lands knees, and he... Uh, 
he just it's that extra bit of violence that comes it comes after like a period of like oh you know i'm not i'm gonna be okay and it's the same with figueredo i think i think he just like takes the life out of you at times with the shots he lands and with the power in which he lands them as well and he's look he's one of the most fun fighters in the ufc so uh you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this one. I'm always looking forward to a flyweight title fight. And I think this one, especially in a rematch, you know, of, of a great fight, arguably fight of the year from last year, uh, is going to be uh, is going to be really fun. Okay, Nathan Diaz versus uh, Leon Edwards. Graham, I know we, we you know we spoke about it at the time this fight was announced, and I think we did a, a couple of breaking news podcasts, and I really couldn't get my head around how this fight was happening and why it came about and i remember in one of those podcasts or maybe it was maybe even talking in private or somewhere or i, I think it was on a podcast but i remember saying look by the time the fight comes around it'll kind of make sense to us and uh we'll be all about it now i'm all about this fight i'm looking forward to ne- seeing, seeing nathan diaz back i'm looking forward to seeing leon edwards fight it still doesn't make much, <laughs> much sense to me does it make any sense to you well <laughs> Well, it makes some sense, you know, in terms of Nate Diaz being a name um, and, you know, maybe looking to to get Leon Edwards more kind of recognition. Um, it might be might be something to do with that. Besides that, um, <laughs> competition wise and like, you know, if this was a league, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of. Um, you know, Nate is obviously a confident guy as well. Does and he he'll be thinking. I think I said this before in the podcast, but he'll be thinking if I go in there and beat Leon Edwards, who's you know beating all these guys and in in the talk for these fights or whatever, then I'll be there. You know, he kind of that's his kind of attitude to to a lot of things. You know, I beat the guy and then I I am the guy. Yeah, it's it is true, and I suppose it's a wise way of doing it. Like he did it uh, once before with Conor McGregor, but it's it's a weird one because I don't know. Nate has never been. On like the the title train, and I, I suppose he is a bit. And we all, you know, he's called him. He's the the one who's called him fairy tales in the past, you know, famously. But it feels like Ned Diaz was They're more all on steroids, as he once said. Yeah, he did, in fairness. Uh, but he, <laughs> <laughs> he, he seemed to have been off like the title train more than anyone else. And like Leon Edwards, what, actually, you, sorry, did yeah. you just mention that? Have you heard anything about Nate Diaz's? drug test and his company being responsible and all those reports <laughs> that, because that just seemed to disappear it, it strangely did, yeah. enough is this Conor McGregor on the podcast with me <laughs> no <laughs> if, if, it was other, if it was a certain other fighters and maybe uh, yeah. <laughs> not naming names maybe the reaction would be a lot different <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe it would be yeah that did disappear do you know what I'm kind of happy it disappeared I'm gone totally off the, the drugs uh, the drugs band, bandwagon altogether I'm just like ah, let him out to be grand sure what difference does it make be fine but uh yeah what are we talking about? Leon Edwards and Yeah, like, I think, look, I think this fight, uh, but the, the problem is, right, you made a great point there. N- Nate wants to take uh, Leon's place in the division, basically, and put himself in line for the next title shot. But, like, that next title shot, what is it? It's, it's like Camarusman or, you know, who's Camarusman? Camarusman looks like he's fighting Colby next, it, it seems like that. And, you know, Wonderboy is up there as well, fighting Gilbert Burns. Um... It's on the McGregor card, so that's on next month's uh, pay-per-view. So, like, it looks like it's going to be Colby. I think um, Dana White said that during the week. So, like, the winner of that, like, is he going to be fighting Colby? Maybe that's a fight that will sell a few pay per views. Colby, now the trash talk might be... Okay, okay, I'm into it now. I want, I want to see that one. But, yeah, I feel, I feel like either of those two fights, though, they're bad matchups for Nate, first of all. And they're also not, like... Like, it's not... 
let's say if Maz Vidal had won the title, okay, fair enough, I think that it would be a big thing, you know, the rematch and everything like that, or if it's McGregor in that position, or even if it is a fight that come back, and you're fighting McGregor next, or you're fighting, I don't know, it, 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 uh, or even if it was Habib, like if it was a lightweight fight and Habib. Sure, anybody was, with a bit of wrestling though is just a bad style matchup for for either DS for. Yeah, it's it's really weird, but I think like I think, and I know I, I remember when this fight was announced. I was talking to uh, to Jake uh, over in uh, over in the tune, and uh, we were both discussing. I think someone had said it to him as well about the elbows of Leon Edwards, and like. Leon Edwards is is known like if you go and watch a few Leon Edwards fights, the the first thing you will see are his elbows. He's devastating, cut you open. He's gonna cut Nate Diaz with elbows. I don't I don't know. Someone asked Paddy Power to do a bet that Leon Edwards cuts Nate Diaz with elbows because I would take that price, whatever the price is, I would take it on that to happen because it's just going to. I think I think Leon is a very tough matchup for someone like Nate who will who will you know who will stay on the feet with him and try to stay on the feet with him. And when it go you know when it goes to the ground, Nate's obviously very good jujitsu, but I think he is very easily taken down. But Nate doesn't hit that hard, and unless he's gonna like bamboozle you stylistically and and technically, I I think if you have the technique to go with him, and you have a good power or a devastating blow like Nate or like uh, Leon Edwards has with his elbows, I think it's a very very tough matchup for Nate Diaz, and it's very hard to see yeah. a way for him to win it. What do you think? Yeah, the leg kicks from Leon Edwards, I think, are gonna be part of the game plan. You know. You know, Leon Edwards is known to be a, a good good executor of game plans. Um, obviously, we've talked about how well-rounded he is. You know, he may not be, like, amazing at anything, but uh, you've talked about it a lot. Like, you know, Nate Diaz, you maybe was able to submit people and, you know, give people the finger while, while triangling people years ago, but that's that's not going to fly against somebody like Leon Edwards. You know, it's, it's very difficult to get submissions off your back. Um... If you can get on top of Leon Edwards, then maybe it's a different story completely. But, uh, you know, I, I see Leon looking to land leg kicks. Uh, he, I don't think he'd be too afraid to strike with strike with Nate, uh, boxing-wise. But if that starts going downhill, then he can, you know, transition into some probably easy enough takedowns if, if the pass is anything to go by and just kind of, you know, uh, win win from the top with, with small shots or, or even, you know... Uh, you know work some uh, positions and submissions of his own yeah there was there was a fight we were watching recently i'm not sure what fight it was someone will probably remind me in the comments but um do you know what i remember what it was the uh benil dariush tony ferguson fight i remember after that fight I, I remember saying maybe that was the opportunity for benil to make a big statement you know to go in there in a division where you have probably five or six lads names ahead of you but probably only really should be one or two in terms of quality of wins and everything like that i think that was an opportunity for him to put himself in that next position i think this for leon edwards is an opportunity to go in there and finish nate diaz to put uh, you know to cut him open to do something really nasty to nate diaz and take the colby covington name out of the title picture take the wonderboy name take the gilbert burns name out of the title picture and put leon edwards at the top of that list to fight Usman. i think it's a real opportunity like to me most of the time right when you've basically an unranked fighter fighting someone who's ranked number three or four in the division that is like a manna for heaven for the guy who is the unranked fighter but this is the other way around i think this 
if for Leon Edwards is like the biggest name he could get, the easiest fight he could get <laughs> with a huge opportunity to m- probably get the biggest win of his career, even though it's not against a quality of fighter, I think, um, as as he could have fought in this similar sort of position. So with a lot of eyes on him as well. Loads of eyes. Absolutely absolutely. So it's it is, it's great. It's a great opportunity for Leon Edwards. But, but like Nate hasn't looked great recently either, and I think uh, if it was a few years ago, you could always say maybe Nate had rise to the occasion. We've seen him doing it a few times. Look, we saw him against Conor McGregor. We saw him against Michael Johnson famously. A lot of people talk yeah. about that fight. I think, I think when Nate's fighting regularly, like maybe not in, you know, he's not known for fighting regularly, but when he doesn't take these big gaps, you know, obviously your timing and everything's going to be better. You're in the gym more preparing for fights. You know, he's off fucking doing who knows what when he's when he's not in camp. You know, so I think, you know, if he had his timing down uh, on his striking and his, you know, all that stuff, maybe, you know, he'd be a better chance of him kind of catching Leon with something here. But yeah. he's never really known for his knockout power, uh, one-shot knockout power anyway. And I think Leon can, you know, as I said, transition to an easy enough takedown if uh, if he does get hit with a with a few shots or he is getting outclassed in the boxing. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think this will be an interesting fight afterwards as well to see what the reaction is afterwards. You know, if Nate wins it, I think I think it'll be very fun, but uh, a Nate loss uh, will be very interesting. I think if Leon wins it, we know what's happening next. He, he has to be right there in the title contention. But, uh, Do yeah. we know what's happening next, though? We, we, you yeah, know. Probably not. <laughs> I take it back. Yeah, He'd want to have a good promo. He'd want to have a promo would, ready yeah. to try and cement that uh, the and position. That's why I say as well, the performance winning, look, beating Nate Diaz should be enough, but in this day and age, in this you know, current climate of the of the UFC and MMA in general, it's not. You have to make that statement and you have to, to kind of, I suppose, take it to the next level. For that. As, as a pro wrestling uh, mark, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yes. Um, would you recommend a Leon face turn or a face, saying face or turning heel? Well, I, I think in that division, right, I think Colby is obviously the heel. Um Cameron Usman is I, I don't know with Cameron Usman I think he tries to be a babyface at times but then he also tries to be a heel at times I would go babyface if I was Leon Edwards and I, I would be like I'm gonna rid you of these boring wrestlers at the top of the division I'm gonna bring fun back to the division I'm gonna bring fun you know go in there and have a great fight with Lee, uh, Whitney the Diaz. people's champ <laughs> people's champ yeah I'm gonna you know we had years of boring GSP with years of boring Johnny Hendrick these years of boring wrestler Tyron Woody years of boring wrestler uh, Checking all these guys Listen, off, not a bit, not a bit heelish yeah, okay, though. Okay, yeah, it is, but like it's Stone Cold kind of heel, you know. It's kind of baby face. The, the, the lines blur these days, so yeah. I actually like. I think heels are more fun these days than babyface. But if you're a cool heel, like not if you're a fucking Colby Covington heel, then everyone just hates you. But yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I like he's not going to do that though, is he? <laughs> like if there's, if there's anyone that's going to cut a promo, it's definitely like not going to be Leon Edwards. I think he's probably like the least likely that to cut a great promo. But however. Um, so yeah, look, a good card, but Damien Maya versus Bilal Muhammad as well in this card, a fantastic fight, I really, really like that fight, Bilal, I think he deserves this opportunity after taking that Leon Edwards fight on short notice, and having some good wins recently, and for Damien Maya, you know, he's kind of said before this could be his last fight, or one of his last fights, and with Damien Maya, you might actually believe him, he seems like a sensible enough guy, but, uh, yeah, you know, if, if he wins, maybe, maybe not, but, um, that should be fun, who would you, who would you pick on that one, actually? Uh, you know, Maya is very old, but, you know, he lost to Gilbert Burns, and Gilbert Burns is, you know, a, a very elite upper echelon fighter. Like, he's proven that he's getting better and better, and 
there's no shame in that and you know before that he kind of turned it around uh, obviously Lyman Gould uh, Anthony Martin and Ben Askren uh, after after his three losses to Woodley Covington and Usman but uh, you know just uh, I think I think Balal Muhammad is it's his fight to lose you know if he can if he can, you know, stay away from the little kind of inside and outside trips that Maya loves, um, it's his fight. But, you know, Maya always has that. You know, if he can just get one of those trips, like they're, they're, they're not like normal wrestling takedowns that people drill in the in in, in their sleep in the in the gym. You know, they're they're different. So he, he's caught a lot of people out with that. And if he does get on and if he does get you down, he has a way of ending up in a really dominant position immediately. And um, you know he's, he's we've seen we've seen many times how how good a squeeze is. You know I'll always remember the the blood, come, like the bursting Rick Story's nose like a pimple, face like a pimple. So like, you know, there's it's hard to it's you know it's if you make one mistake and end up end up on the ground, it could be all over depending on the clock. So uh, I'd stay away from betting, just betting wise, but I'd, I'd pick Muhammad if uh, if I. If I had to make a free bet, yeah, I, I think Bilal Muhammad will win it as well. I haven't looked. Obviously, we will be doing. Uh, well, will we be doing the betting show? We will, I suppose. Well, you're you're heading off here now for a couple of days, but I, I will do a betting show on some uh, guys anyway uh, during the week. But uh, yeah, I, I would fancy. I think Bilal Muhammad in that one. I think, I think he's just too good on the feet. And you know, as John Danaher said about jujitsu there uh, last week, it's it's no no longer the be all and end all. So after many years, Sean Sheehan has been proven correct by the jujitsu community. Thank you very much. Um, as we mentioned, Paul Craig, Jamal uh, Hill. What? You backtracked massively from your jiu-jitsu doesn't work to, to what John Donner said. Is, is But what John Donner said is really the crux of my uh, arguments for years. You're reaching there. You're, you're worse than, I'm, you're worse I'm than not, American media. I, <laughs> I'm actually not reaching that. I, I actually reached for my own that's point. That's not the shot at the MMA media, by the way. That's the the media as a whole. As a whole? <laughs> Why would you not be taking shots at the MMA media there? Did well, you... no, but I, I just wanted to clarify what my what the, the I, intention of my words were speaking of the MMA media I actually got an email the other day from the, the MMA JA saying they're looking for another fucking 50 quid for the, the yearly dividends what the fuck did they do with the last 50 quid they get off us I won't be fucking paying they, that anyway they, they, they got a, another uh, in, uh, what'd you say donation donation yeah, yeah so yeah I'll have to I'll have to research more about that but uh, yeah, a lot of shit I wonder, wonder what what the plans for that is yeah they've i don't know they've done fuck all so far Ho- like hopefully I-, I would just like an email about it every so often <laughs> you know it's like uh I'm, myself and uh myself and Ian will have uh, a chasing pack irish version out as well on wednesday i think it is and we were talking about the iwmwa and i was like oh, just all i want is an email <laughs> all i want is an email from them lads every so often but sure i heard <laughs> you walk around limerick with a sticker that says proud member of the mma <laughs> yeah. <laughs> journalist yeah, association yeah if they're looking for another 50 quid out of me it'll be once proud member of the MMA because I won't be in anymore like I'm fuck off and he just had your new sticker uh, that was yeah. worn out from all its use <laughs> all its use yeah it is but uh yeah anyway this uh UFC 263 card very good Drew Dober Brad Riddell Darren Stewart against Eric Anders I feel like that fight is a rematch for some reason I think that probably did that happen already look it up there Graham and I'll go through the rest of it Lauren Murphy Joanne Calderwood that that's that's a number one contender fight. I think it has to be in that flyweight division for the the unfortunate task of having to fight uh, Valentina Shevchenko if you win that. But uh, I I would fancy Lauren Murphy in that one. Although Jojo has been improving a lot over the last while, but you never know what Jojo is going to show up if she's at her best. 
You know, I think she she can beat Lauren Murphy, but I think Lauren, uh, if she's wise, she'll try to get that fight to the ground and uh, and beat Georgia there. But uh, uh, what a fight as well. Uh, Mosar Ivalev versus uh, Hakim Daudu. This guy... Uh, Ivalev, I think he's a future UFC champion. If you're uh, a, a bit of a casual fan and you're tuning into this pay-per-view and there's someone you want to look out for, that would be the fight I would be tuning in for. Uh, this guy is is a really, really good fighter and Dawudu is very, very good as well. So uh, that'll be a, a fantastic fight. Yeah, that um, Darren Stewart, uh, Eric Anders was the illegal knee uh, no uh, contest. That was, yeah, yeah, I knew it. So there's a memory and people say I, don't, I have a bad memory. There you go. Uh, yeah, so uh, Pini Kinzad and Alexis Davis, Matt Frivolum, Frank Camacho, Chase Hooper, Stephen Peterson and four other lads uh, make up the rest of that card. So, Really, really great card. Two title fights at the top, and Leon Edwards versus Nathan Diaz. Also, then Leon Edwards, Nathan Diaz fight five rounds. The first time ever a non-title fight, non-main event has been uh, has been five rounds. So very interesting to see uh, how that works. I don't think he'll go five rounds. Maybe to be honest, I think if Leon uh, makes a statement, I don't think he'll go it. But uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing us and seeing how it uh, how it plays out over the next while. Um, Right, Graham. Let's take a quick look at, at this PFL card. I'll go, I'll just go really quickly through it and see what what you think of it. So this one is happening on the. Uh, let me look at it here. Where's my date? Uh, there doesn't seem to be a date, is there? Uh, the tenth of June, Thursday. So Anthony Pettis is headlining this card against Alex Martinez, who's eight. No, even though Anthony Pettis lost his last fight, and Clay Clay Collard's way down the the the. Uh, area. Uh, Bubba Jenkins fighting Bobby Moffat. Clarissa Shields, we'll get to in a second, is fighting Brittany Elkin. Brendan Lachnan is fighting Tyler Diamond. Chris Wade is on the card. Um, Kibbe Lubadoff is on the card. Alayev is on the card. Oban Mercia versus Marcin Held. I like that fight. Nathan Schulte is on it, uh, who won the last two years, if I'm not wrong. Uh, Clay Collard, as I mentioned, and Lance Palmer as well on the card. So really, really good. A lot of the, the staples for the last few years. Brendan Lachnan as well, obviously uh, Limerick's own Brendan Lachnan is, is on this, so uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to all that. What do you think of Clarissa Shields, though, Graham? I think this is an interesting one, because um, it's always cool to see crossovers, and she's been training in Jackson Winklejohns for the last while. Uh, Brittany Elkin, she's nine fights in, okay, she's three and six, but by no means uh, by no means, someone with no experience or just an absolute can to fight in your uh, your MMA debut. What, what do you think? And you're looking forward to seeing Clarissa Shields making her debut here? Yeah, well, I'm interested to see how she looks, you know. Um, three and six is, you know, uh, as you said, it's not a great record at all, but it, it does have, a, you know, a bit of experience and a couple of amateur fights on top of that as well. So, you know, she's she's definitely been, you know, She's been fighting MMA since 2011. Uh, it's a long time compared to uh, Clarissa Shields. I know she's been in the gym and all that stuff recently, but it's different when you actually fight. Uh, we've seen, you know, boxers, you know, not look, not look great. Um, you know, it's a different, it's a different game. So there's there's a lot of questions there that, even though her opponent maybe not the best, but. Just from how she's gonna look, how Clarissa's gonna look is uh, what's intriguing about this. Yeah, I, I look. I think it's very interesting. It's funny. I was talking to uh, Gavin Casey there on, on Twitter during the week, and after that, Derek Brunson put out the tweet: "Why are no boxers coming over to fight in MMA?" And I think the the main reason is because of the money. There's a lot more money in boxing, but I think in women's boxing, maybe outside of Katie Taylor uh, and maybe even Clarissa Shields and a couple more, there there really isn't any money to be made. We saw uh, Heather Hardy talking about that before, so that's coming from. Well, would anybody in boxing have made women's boxing have made anywhere near what or as, as what Ronda Rousey would have made? Uh, maybe only Katie Taylor. Like, 
the perf- yeah. perf- I'm not sure. I think there was a few, like Muhammad Ali's daughter was pretty good for a while, and I think she got some acclaim. And I think there was, um, oh, there's one women's boxer that Joe Rogan is always talking about as well. I can't think of her name, but uh, from years before, well, long before our time. Um, so, but modern day, I think it is like women's sports. I talk about it a lot in the chase and pack, but women's sports is a thing that. And, and MMA has very much led the way. It's, it's a thing that's it's getting more... It's kind of legitimized it, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think it really... But even, like, you see women's soccer, it's non-stop on Sky Sports and BT Sports and stuff now. Not, like, non-stop talking about it. There's women's sports all over Sky Sports. So it's a thing... Uh, like, women's sports is a thing that is really being, you know, and, uh, pushed you know, sports, at the moment. Sports which is, is a thing. Any kind of sport is a thing, mm-hmm. like, uh, that people, you know, want to watch live. Yeah. So TV Absolutely, companies yeah. need stuff like that because everything mm-hmm. is like, I want to binge watch it or I'll, I'll record it and watch it later or whatever, or watch it online. So they desperately need, you know, live sport. And yeah. I think the UFC obviously, you know, kind of showed that, you know, you can just, you can mix in women and nobody's going to blink an eye, you know, you can normalize it pretty quickly. Yeah, 100%. I think the way, because it is, and like it's normalized in terms of pay as well, maybe not at the very top because, you know, well, at the very top, no, no one's reaching Conor McGregor levels of money, I suppose. But, uh, well, apart from maybe Ronda Rousey, some maybe it is. But, like, if you're a, a female fighter coming in from Dana White Contender Series and you're a male fighter earning, you know, the same money, so it's uh, and then they're both not earning enough. <laughs> let me let me just put that out there straight away. But it is, it is, it is like it's weird. Well, like, you know, yeah. for somebody like example, like uh, Jake Paul yeah. or Logan Paul. For mm-hmm. them to learn MMA or to go in and fight MMA, there's a lot a more chance of them getting fucking embarrassed. Yeah. You know it's, what I mean? And boxers don't want to come over and get embarrassed no, and kind no. of embarrass, represent their sport, how it's going to be, the narrative is going to be like you're representing, it's boxing versus MMA. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it always is that narrative. And nobody wants to be, you know, humiliated. No, there's no hiding place in MMA, really. Like, there's, and you can't really carry someone in MMA as well. You know, a lot of people said Floyd carried McGregor, and whether you believe that or not, it's something that could be possible. Like, um, this weekend, it'll probably—I don't know if it's already happened by the time this podcast comes out—but the, the Floyd Mayweather Logan Paul thing, like, I'm sure Floyd will carry him for a while and then end up maybe knocking him out or just—I don't know what, what's going to happen. But like, it, that's possible. But in MMA, it really isn't with the, the lack of rounds and stuff. But I think. For in for Clarissa Shields and I think in women's sports as well, if you're a high level athlete, like the level of athletes to kind of come over to women's MMA is still relatively small, especially at the higher weight classes. Like I think that is something that is improving an awful lot. But for someone who's an undoubted world class athlete at a combat sport, I think it's a transition. Like someone, someone like I don't know, name about Canelo Alvarez, right? An undoubted high class, world class athlete. He would, it would take him years upon years to transition over to become uh, an entry level MMA fighter in a top league. You know, years. I don't. A women's sports, I think, and and I think especially at that one hundred and fifty five pound division. It's very, very, very light in that division. There are very few women that are you know world class and that division doesn't really exist apart from Kayla Harrison so you know I think it's easier to transition over for someone like Clarissa Shield than say like a 155 pound male or then you know any any weight class of a of a male because the the divisions are just so good and so um you know so filled with talent I suppose at the moment so you know I'm looking forward to seeing how she does I'm sure I you know I would I think she'd win this fight and I think she'll probably uh, have a few more and, and and see how they go as well but uh it's always interesting to cross over seeing boxers coming in and she can kind of 
you know, she can kind of say that as well, put it, put it like that. You know, she's she calls herself the greatest of all time, and you know, and I'm sure we're flying the Katie Taylor flag, but you know, she's calling herself the greatest fighter of all time, and then she comes over and she's five and zero in MMA or whatever it might be as well. And, you know, that gives her a leg up in it. I think, like I always think, Ronaldo having done it in England and Italy and Spain well, gives I him a little think, bit of a leg I don't up. I think Messi. being good at boxing has anything to do with being the best fighter in the world. Yeah, well, that, well, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But like, more, I think the gr- the greatest combat sports women's athlete of all time. Maybe she was probably getting that. But I think we, who, who do you think is the greatest female combat sports athlete of all time, Graham? I know pretty much nothing about boxing and especially women's boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in MMA, Amanda Nunes. So Amanda Nunes or Katie Taylor? Who would you go for? Amanda Nunes. <gasps> you fucking. Oh yeah, just because you're married to Brazilian now, you're fucking turning into one of them as well. You're turning your back on the Irish. Is that it? Uh, she got a bunch of dodgy decisions to win them medals. <laughs> Never, she can't even throw a punch. Poor old Katie. That's a national treasure you're talking about. Ari Luani will be on you. He'll absolutely kill you. But, uh, <laughs> I'm obviously joking. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Clarissa Shields. Um, a fight here uh, for Brendan Lachnan as well that fight is a big one because Tyler Diamond is a very very good fighter 12-1 and one and a high le- level wrestler I think Sean Dini asked last week uh, if Lachnan can get over this one is this like him set to win that tournament and set to get to the to the playoffs and get to the final I think it probably is to be honest I think if he wins this it'll be very very tough uh, for anyone to beat him in that division so uh, really looking forward to, to seeing that and I have, an, I have a Saswa from March scene held as well uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, his uh, level of jiu-jitsu being shown in Clay Collard against Joelton Lutherbach who is like a German Brazilian which is uh, kind of cool so looking forward to seeing that Bellator 260 as well coming up next week a fantastic hard Bellator have on as I absolutely lose my voice again for about the fifth time today. Uh, Douglas Lima versus Yaroslav Amasov. Uh, what a fight this is. 170-pound title. This every, It seems like every time Lima fights almost, we, we talk about it being one of the best fights you can put on outside of the UFC. 25-0 Amasov. An absolute killer in all areas. And Lima, you know, we know his striker. We know how good he is. Um, how do you uh, how do you see this one going, Graham? Do you fancy uh, do you fancy Amosov to go twenty six and zero, or do you fancy Lima to, to hold on to his title? Uh, like I, I think I think I have to go with Lima. I think there's there's too many unknowns. Uh, like you know, twenty five and zero is a fantastic record and all that. But uh, you know, he's coming off a split decision win over Logan Storley. Um, you know, who's obviously a good fighter and all that, but uh, I think Lima has proven that he, he's like, you know, a, a top class Bellator fighter. And I think, I think this, the, the safe bet is Lima, but there's a lot of unknowns, as I said. And, you know, maybe this guy can, can rise to the occasion and get it done, but uh, uh, I'd have to, I'd have to pick Lima. He's just, you know, he's, you know, he's come out there and, you know, put away Michael Page, uh, you know, with, with with relative ease. You know, a guy who's clowned how many opponents? Many, yeah. Many opponents, you know. Obviously, Gegard Musasi gave him some some trouble there uh, in his last one, but he's a... <laughs> He's a bigger, a bigger fighter, a longer guy, a ex- very experienced guy. You know, he's caused a lot of problems for for a lot of uh, high class fighters. And uh, you know, I think, I think that's a you know kind of out of division fight that you can kind of half write off. I think, in my opinion, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I suppose it kind of is, alright, but. 
I'll, I'll bet you a tenner, Graham. Go on, I'll throw, I'll throw my tenner on Amasov. Do you want to throw your tenner on Lima? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, let's do, do it. it. I, I think Amasov is very, very good. Um, you know, I think he's a, a tough matchup for Lima, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Anyway, I think I'm looking forward to uh, Paul Daly against Jason Jackson. As well. what a fucking fight this is. You know, I your been, boy uh, JJ, my boy. I put Jason Jackson on Team Sheehan there not too long ago, and a lot of people are saying like, "Who is this guy? What's this about? What's going on?" And now he's fighting Paul Daly. You know, I've been calling Wait, for him. So we listen to the podcast. We've been talking about yeah. Jackson for years. Yeah, that's true. But he's a ver- I think he's a very, very good fighter, Jason Jackson. I think he'll beat Paul Daly, to be honest. I think he'll uh, be able to take that left-hand shot. I think he'll be able to come through it. And I think he'll uh, he'll get the decision here. But, uh, you know, Paul Daly, it's always fun to see him fight. And always fun to see what he, uh, what he produces and if he shows up and if he fights well. Both these guys... You know, I don't have the records up in front of me per se, but they didn't fight that long ago. You know, so it's a kind of a quick turnaround here, and you know, I'm, I'm, I think that might be a good thing for both of these. Lads. I think both of them would like to say, uh, stay relatively active and stay in form, and I think they probably have. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. who do you fancy in that one? I'd have to go with uh, with um, you know, <sighs> Jackson is just daily. I think he's going to exploit Daly's weaknesses. You know, daily. Yeah. If Daly, if you stand and trade with him for too long, he's he's always going to try and land that left hand. But I think Jackson's going to, you know, know that There's, the blueprint's been there for years. Jackson is well rounded. Uh, I don't think he should be afraid of standing. Like, but I think you know uh, the smart game plan will be to to mix in takedowns. And we've seen Paul Daly get very frustrated uh, with takedowns and um, kind of loses cool. And I think. Uh, you know he's obviously going to want to stand and bang like he always does, and I think uh, as long as Jackson fights a smart game plan here, he he should have a handy win. Yeah, well, I would I don't know about handy win. No, I don't think you get any handy against uh, against your boy Paul Daly, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I think it should be uh, it should be pretty good. Um, Aaron Pico returns on this against Aiden Lee. You know, Aiden Lee a very good fighter. We've seen him obviously from from the UK. We've seen him fight over on this side of the world a good few times. Um, but I think this is good matchmaking to be honest for Aaron Pico. You know, um, Lee has won his last couple of fights. He beat Jeremy Peatley, and he won uh, a fight before that as well. You know, he's lost a couple of fights to Saul Rogers and Dean Truman and Cage Warriors. But he's been around for a long, long time, you know. Made his debut six odd years ago. So he's uh, another good test for uh, for Aaron Pico. But I think Pico will, will probably just have enough uh, for Aiden here. But I'm looking forward, uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. Um... Arya Starkey, Lydia Johanna is on this card as well against Vanessa Porto, Dem- Demarcus Jansen back, Kyle Crutchmere uh, is on it against a 9-0 and uh, Georgian fighter, I believe, 11-0 and Justin Gonzalez against Tywin Claxton, Nick Newell, mm. must see TV that, all the time. That Bobby King fight, you know, that's an interesting one, like he's coming off a win over Steve, uh, Stephen Seiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that Stephen Seiler, like he's a good fighter, like he's obviously, you know, uh, you know, maybe in another in another life he could have been, still been in the UFC. You know, there's guys that are in similar similar class to him. Yeah, uh, still fight in the UFC, so that, that's that's nothing to be sniffed at. Uh, Bobby Bobby King finishing him with an armbar. So uh, you know, Nick Deal, yeah, is always entertaining. Um, you know, uh, I'm interested in that, in that fight. I'm I'm interested to see how Nick Nick Newell can kind of you know uh, how he's going to look and. Uh, We've we've seen him beat some really good guys. We've seen him in there with like completely outclassed, like you know, against Justin Gaethje. It was just ridiculous. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm always interested in Nick Neal fight. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting. Actually, there's a Invicta as well. have a card coming up uh, next weekend. Um, and I, I believe it's the the uh, one night tournament, and Katie Sol, Ireland's own Katie Sol, is on that. Who is the uh, the girlfriend of Brad Katona, who is fighting in and uh, training out of Ireland at the moment. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Looking forward to seeing her on that. I know um, Clan Wars by the time this comes out has been on as well, and uh, I think D Begley is on that card. There's myself and Ian. Uh, we'll, we'll go through it on, on the Chasing Pack anyway, and we'll talk about it more next week if the results and stuff come out. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's good to see her on that, and it's good to see Invicta back. I know they were back as well uh, last week, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk further about that in the chase back as well uh, coming up. But it's great to see Invicta back and doing good stuff uh, as well. So um, yeah, a very interesting uh, weekend coming up in the the world of mixed martial arts and uh, some some fantastic fights coming up. So actually, Graham, before I hand it over to Sean Sheener, give us your review of the Ultimate Fighter. I know I know you. You're a big fan of the Ultimate Fighter. You closely watched episode one of the new season. Tell us. Oh shit! Um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't watch it either. No one watched about it. that. No one watched it. Who gives a shit? Who like? Yeah, <laughs> I saw the records of the guys, and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> the, the problem is, like, someone like a Cameron Usman could come from it, and like, it could be that next great fighter. But is it worth watching? And in the future, we can look back at those yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> two roundabouts and. The thing about it is, I, their glory. I didn't watch, maybe I watched one episode, maybe I watched a bit of that season, but not watching that season doesn't make me appreciate or be able to speak about Cameron Usman now, you know, because I missed out on that. It's just, it is a TV that you can miss out on and not miss anything, you know? Yeah, so. I actually did watch that Usman season. Did you? And uh, he basically was just taking people down and laying on them um, and they couldn't stop that and he basically was completely green and raw but just nobody could stop his takedowns and he's a completely different fighter now so there's really no relevance yeah that is true um, alright everybody thank you very much for listening and I will now throw it over to Sean Sheehan for a review of the fights that and actually I'm just looking at him fighting here Cameron Usman was on Hot Ones so I'm, I'm actually I must watch that here when I finish but here's Sean Sheehan with a review of the fights from the weekend Augustus Sakai against Jarzino Rodzenstruck Bellator and the rest take it away Shani thank you very much Shani appreciate that uh, yeah so uh, and a, a night of fights that went from I suppose the supreme uh, to the horrendous also there was no Bellator on this weekend. I don't know why I said it like three times in the <laughs> previous like fifty minutes of the podcast. There was no Bellator, but there was a UFC, and it was it was you, you know your normal fight night card, I suppose, that we have been having over the last while. Um, a couple of notable things, not anything world changing. A uh, couple of good fights and a lot of boring fights around the middle. Uh, you had Roman Delidza versus uh, um, Steropoli, which was one of the most boring fights I've ever seen. One of the most boring rounds I've ever seen. The first round of that one, just god-awful. Um, you had Rodriguez versus Todorovic. Not a classic fight. Um, Montana De La Rosa did okay against Ariana Lipsky, and I'm just getting the bad stuff out the way now before I get to the good stuff. Uh, Ilir Latifi, not a great fight against Tanner Boza. Salikov, Trinaldo, not great. Kirk versus Amir Kani. A very close fight, almost nothing landed. One of those fights where I scored a 29-28 Amir Kani, and there was a 30-27 Kirk, and I thought that was a good card as well, to be honest. Uh, Kirk won the second. Um, I thought that was pretty clear, to be honest. Um, 
but the first and the third not very 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 close rounds could have gone either way uh, and i can definitely see why the judges scored it for them um they opened up the car um, and on Firo Sean Woodson who I'm, I have a good time for got a good win a split decision there and uh, Claudio Pulas as well got a win uh, in the in the undercard but I suppose the biggest thing from the undercard uh, was Alan Patrick versus Mason Jones which ended in a no contest due to an accident lie poke very very unfortunate for Mason Jones obviously covering the MMA this side of the world we're going to talk a little bit more about Mason Jones I suppose who was the you know the ex-Cage Warriors uh, double champion wasn't he if I'm not mistaken yeah, he went up the welterweight and won the belt as well so um obviously lost his uh, opening UFC bout so he was coming in here for his second one um Alan Patrick, as we've seen before, is a fast starter. He came out of the tracks very quickly, but Mason Jones dealt with it well. Weathered that early storm, maybe in 90 seconds, and then was just winning the fight. Um, had Patrick hurt badly at the end of round one, the referee could have stepped in. I think it was a good job. I don't. I didn't think it would have been the right uh, time to finish it. Again, though, he came out. His wrestling looked absolutely fantastic towards the end of the first and I believe into the start of the second as well. Uh, did uh, Mason Jones and he had him hurt again badly. It just looked better than him everywhere. Um, it was The fight was basically about to be finished. There was two or three shots left. Patrick, it kind of, he was turning his back. He was, it, it was, it was a matter of time, honestly. And I don't say that very often in fights um, when there are stoppages or when they're stopped like this but it, it really was and unfortunately for Mason Jones he had an errant hand an errant finger that went into the eye of Alan Patrick um it definitely caught him in the eye without a, a shadow of a doubt uh he said he couldn't see to the doctor and the fight was stopped now I was <laughs> you, you everyone can make up their their mind on what they think did he, do you think he was playing it up do you think he was milking it um uh, uh, probably a little bit but i'm no one to say i'm i can't see out of his eyes but even whatever the decision was if you're not in a patrick spot there that fight is over for you you got poked mason jones poked him you can't let Alan patrick he, he didn't uh, you know he didn't put his fucking eye into mason jones's fingers you know it was the other way around um he knew he was gonna lose that fight so he said look i'm gonna take this no contest instead of the uh, if he did that i i don't i have no problem with that you know i that's you know you have to you have to win you have to avoid losses uh, if as uh, as well as you can and if he did that you know and i'm not necessarily saying he did that but if that exact ipoc happened and he was winning the fight or if it was an even fight at that stage would it have ended the fight i'm not so sure and that's one i suppose you can make your mind up yourself or you you know you can uh, he he probably is the only one that truly knows but it definitely was an ipoc so i'm definitely not blaming him or anything like that but for mason jones i'm not blaming mason jones either it was a tough tough one um he did the he did a great job in the fight after a tough start not, not, not necessarily a tough start in terms of like taking much damage or anything like that but a tough start in terms of the way his opponent fought and um how uh how much of a task it was so after that he came back well but look hopefully mason jones mason jones will have to get another shot in the ufc after this and i know recently if you don't win one of your first two fights the ufc are getting re- uh, really we saw what happened to reese mckee but they just can't with mason jones i really think after that performance as well michael bissing absolutely um you know blown him up in the commentary and and he was uh, you know he'd every right that he did a great job uh in that fight but it was very very unfortunate so uh, look hopefully uh we will see mason jones again look i wouldn't mind seeing the rematch even i think it'd be a good fight not sure patrick would want to take it after the way it went but uh yeah a, a good fight and a very very unfortunate into that one 
so elsewhere on the card, we had one of the one of the fights of the year. To me, one of the greatest fights I have ever seen, just in terms of the way it built. And that was Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Miguel Baeza. Uh, I'm recording this right after the, the event, and the fight of the night hasn't been announced yet, but this was fight of the night. If it wasn't, it's a complete and utter farce. Um, what a fight. Just w- literally... Uh, you know, it, it was like a tie fight or something. The first round kind of started slow, but the reason it started slow was because of what Baeza did from the very start. Uh, and that was basically land the calf kick. You know, he came out at first calf kick, literally within three or four seconds of the start of the fight. Baeza landed that calf kick, and I thought the fight was over. It buckled the leg of Ponzinibbio. I genuinely thought that was going to be an end of it. He landed two or three more. You could see Ponzinibbio struggling more and more, but trying not to show it. And I think he kind of caught himself then a little bit and kept going and realised, right, I can keep going. I kind of kicked out the leg a bit, a little bit, kind of run around, ran around the octagon for a second, not, not to run away or anything, but to, to kind of get the leg going again. And it, I think by the time kind of halfway through the second round came, I think he was okay with it. He took a few more leg kicks and I think he realised at one stage, I've kind of taken his best shot now with the leg kick, and it's not going to put me out. Um, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to Conor McGregor me, or it's not going to uh, anti Edson Barboza me, you know? It's not going to be one of them. And so I think he gained a bit of confidence from that. But Baeza, uh, okay, if you've seen this fight, you know what happened in the end. But I still think Baeza, to me, one of the best up and comers in the UFC, in this welterweight division, an absolutely great division. And I, I think. I don't know if he'll be a future champion, but I think he's going to be a top five ranked guy for a long, long while. I think he's a fantastic fighter and think this will be a good learning experience for him. And after six or seven minutes of this fight, after five minutes of this fight, I thought now would be that time. I thought he was going to be going up into the top three or four or five in the world and fighting the best uh, because he was really taking Ponzinibbio apart. He really was, but Ponzinibbio dug deep like we very rarely see in, in mma or any sport he dug deep right down into you know the, the very the the very uh, soul of himself and just pulled out this win got forward gone inside by his uh, crowded him as michael bisping kept saying on the commentary crowd the kicker and that's exactly what he did and he just took the fight away from him he landed harder shots landed the more effective shots Won the second round at, with about, what, maybe two minutes, two and a half minutes of dominance, but it was enough. I think he did more than Baeza won and didn't win the third round well. Landed some big shots. I thought Baeza did okay for good parts of it as well, but Ponzinibbio, I definitely think, did enough. Uh, and he got a 29-28 in all the cards. Just a fantastic fight. The second round, the, the, the last seven to eight minutes of that fight, the second half of the fight, were just brilliant. And I, I really think, you know, I mentioned like, the, like a tie fight. The way it built... It just built so well. It was a it was a beautiful fight. It was a spectacle of a fight. And honestly, it, it kind of reminded me, and it doesn't often happen, of uh, Gilbert Melendez versus Diego Sanchez, the way it kind of built to a crescendo. But it, I suppose it was kind of uh, more competitive. Well, definitely more competitive than that fight. Um, but yeah, I really, really loved this fight. It was, a, it was a Sean Sheehan type of fight. You know, a hell for leather, great skill. And to me, the, the, the my favorite part of it was actually... The way Santiago Ponzinibbio adjusted in the middle of the fight with his game plan had a wonderful game plan in the middle. And I always say it, I haven't said it in a while now, because I don't think we've actually seen uh, a fight like this in a while, at like a top level where there has been an, a key adjustment in the middle of the fight to turn it around and take the fight. Um, and that's what great fighters do, whether it's boxing, whether it's MMA or whatever it might be. 
that's what great fighters do. And I'm not saying Ponzinibbio's a great or an all-time great or anything like that. But on this night, he was definitely great. And that was a great performance by Ponzinibbio to come back after a very, very tough start. So it was absolutely fantastic. Um, after that, as I mentioned, the Delids of fight, absolutely horrendous. Skip that. Uh, Tubota versus Walt Harris. You know, again, Walt Harris to me is turning into like the Ben Saunders of the heavyweight division. He'll come out, he'll have a great start, almost finish his opponent. Realise he's not finishing him. Uh, his opponent kind of gets his second win, comes back, and then ends up finishing him. And that's exactly what happened here um, with Tabora kind of got on his back and, and landed some shots. Um, Walt Harris had landed a beautiful spinning back fist or spinning back forearm, maybe even. Um, and then, uh, you know, was doing a great job early, landed some big shots. And I actually think he did the right thing at one set. She kind of took that step back and realized, right, I'm not going to finish him now. Let's take a step back. But when he did that, Tabora was like, right, I'm not getting finished here. And then he kind of took over, um, landed some nice shots. Got The fight went to the ground, as I mentioned. And uh, he got the uh, the back mount and was able to finish him with ground and pound. So a great win for Tabora. He's on the 5-0 now in the division. That was his first UFC um, first round win. So uh, after 14 fights. So that's a big thing for a heavyweight. Uh, so a great win for him. And as I said, five, five in a row now. Um, the, then the main event... Um, <laughs> it was funny this this fight went four minutes and 59 seconds and it was about after four minutes 57 seconds that the first punch was really landed i was thinking how am i gonna score this i think probably jarzino because he landed a few jabs um but thankfully it wasn't needed because he landed uh, two big left hooks a right hand kind of it was a weird right hand i think i haven't really seen anything but i think it was one of those ones kind of on the neck slash behind the ear uh, did I just say slash in a, in a real sentence? But yeah, I did anyway. Anyway, um, and Sakai ended up on the ground. I don't think he was necessarily like badly rocked. I think he was off balance, um, and I don't think he would have been finished if it was. Just, let's say if Rosenstruck had kind of walked away. Um, I don't think it would have been the end of the fight. But Rosenstruck landed an absolute hammer of a hammer fist and knocked him out. That to me was a knockout blow. Those to me were the, the 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 first three, the two left hooks and the right hand. They were great shots and definitely hard shots, but they to me were more setups for the hammer fist because that hammer fist was unbelievable and it knocked him clean out. A few shots came after it and uh, the referee came in and stopped a good stoppage. I think uh, Sakai was complaining a little bit, but I don't think there was uh, too much to complain about to be honest. So um, yeah, that was it. Um, the whole card, I suppose, the standouts, obviously, was the, the Ponzinibbio Piazza fight. Montana Del Rosa, good performance. Great win for uh, Tabora and Rosenstruck getting back on uh, on on the uh, the winning track as well. As you could say, the same for Ilir Latifi. And, obviously, uh, the Mason Jones one was a little bit uh, unfortunate in there, in that one. Um, right, so, just to, uh, a few things as well to mention before uh, I wrap it up here. Because you've probably heard enough from me now at this stage. Um, I'll, I'll tell you some of the results from Clan Wars in a second, but uh, KSW also had a card tonight, um, and there was some good stuff, and Sean Ninny has the results up, and we will also have Sean on the Chasing Pack, not next week, but probably the week after, um, to talk about KSW, what's coming up, and what has just happened as well, but um, uh, Saladin Paranisa came back, and he won here after losing his first fight, Coming off the kind of uh, the freakish loss with the the bicep knockout against Daniel Torres, fourteen and one now. Uh, it's going to be the rematch next. It looks like Pujanowski won, and he looked good against Jurakowski from all accounts. Dario Stosic won at heavyweight, big KO. 
Uh, looks like he's going to fight for the belt next against Philip DeFries and also massive wins for uh, Patrick Klink, who's on a good run now. Roman uh, Sebaski, who beat uh, the Cage Warriors um, title challenger Donovan Desme uh, in a solid decision. And UFC v- uh, veteran Damien Stiziak got a win in the prelims with a great triangle as well. Apparently it was a, a good show from all accounts and I'm going to catch that uh, this week as well. And we will definitely talk to Sean uh, Dinny about that as well uh all the results on the main page severemeta.com also on the main page severemeta.com clan wars 39 and 40 results some very good uh wins here one that stood out to me adam gustav got a great win over uh over ryan taylor you know adam gustav has been around uh the scene for a long time and he's fought some of the best on the scene paul uh, paul hughes if i'm not mistaken he's fought him as well but a good win for him shim rock i was talking to a couple of people about him and everyone was was waxing lyrical uh before the fight and as well he got a good win here uh henry corrigan um Got the win, Dara Kelly over Solomon Simon. That to me was the standout bout of the whole uh, whole couple of cards here. I've seen Solomon fight in Cage Legacy before. I was very very impressed. And Dara Kelly, the twenty twenty Severe Amateur of the Year. So that's a big big win for him there. Uh, other standouts as well on the card. Um, uh, Trevor McKingo got a good win. Uh, as well on the card here, um, D Begley, who we've known, you know, he's out hanging around with uh, with Becky Lynch out of SBG. She got a, a win as well. Uh, Kenny Mokahana defeated Adam Shelley. That was another standout fight on this card and did it very well. Um, uh, Michael De Silva against Aaron Daniels. We've seen him around the, the, the scene as well. And um, I think it was Brian Moore talking about Aaron Daniels. Uh, on Twitter, he said he's very good, so that's a big win for him. Jared Harris, who's one of the best up-and-coming prospects in in all of Ireland, uh, fighting out of uh, Owen Roddy's gym in SBG Charlestown, and his team at Liam McCourt was also speaking about him over on Twitter, saying if she was half as good as she as he is, she'd be a very very good fighter. So interesting, he beat Michael Friel, um, and other other good wins as well. Uh, Adam Herzig, who's fighting uh, out of Dundalk, if I'm not mistaken, um, he got a win as well. So check out all those results, SevereMMA.com. Um and uh, yeah, great to see Irish MMA back. Great to see just people like tweeting about it. Pity I couldn't get up the north to get to the show uh, tonight, but hopefully he'll be coming back to you know to the Republic very soon as well, and we can uh, we can get to see him. So uh, yeah, great uh, for everyone involved. Fair play to everyone who put on the show, and it looked like an absolutely fantastic show. Um, so yeah, um, right everybody, I think that's uh, just about it for me. Thank you very much to uh, for listening. Uh, if you haven't signed up on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. This is here on uh, early access now for those listening. Thank you to everyone on Patreon. Um, there'll be loads of stuff. Me, myself, and Ian actually have a chasing pack episode, an Irish special already recorded. So that's coming out Wednesday. I actually spoke to Brad Wharton as well, uh, or actually he texted me. He was like, "Right, Sean, when are we doing the the Cage Warriors preview?" And we will be doing that the Monday of Cage Warriors. So that'll probably be out the Tuesday slash Wednesday. I said slash again. Am I, am I using the word slash? Am I going to start saying OMG next in sentences off? But yeah, so like. Loads of stuff coming up anyway. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast or go to uh, Severe forward slash points, P I N T S. Cost the price of a pint a month. Um, and I'm here at uh, half three in the morning uh, recording this podcast. <laughs> so uh, you can help us out. Um, yeah. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, and we'll see you all next time. Good luck. <laughs>